You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. And welcome back to another edition of Review and Preview, everybody. I'm your host of today's show, Ka Russo. And you might be asking yourself, well, where's the rest of the Review and Preview crew? Tom Scavetta, the host of the show, will not be with us tonight. James will be with us tonight, ladies and gentlemen, but James is running a little late. He should be here in a few, but for now, for the time being, I'm going to hold down the fort till James gets here. It's going to be an exciting show. we got a jam-packed show for you guys. As usual, we will be starting off the show talking some football, and then towards the latter part of the show, some big baseball news happened today, especially in the New York area regarding Noah Syndergaard. But first, to start us off on tonight's show, we are going to talk about the New York Giants. So starting us off with the New York Giants tonight, they didn't play this week. They did not play this week. Can't win. You can't lose on a bye week. They were on a bye week this week. They played the Raiders last week in a game in which they won with a final score of 23-16, to 16, in which we really saw, I guess you'd say, the coming out party of this New York Giants defense. Something of the likes of what we saw last year in, in this Giants defense, where they were really holding down the fort, where they were really carrying the team, and they were leading them to victories. Towards the latter part of last season, the second half of last season, that's what we really saw, saw the transformation, I guess you'd say, of this Giants defense. And same kind of scenario here where Giants played the Raiders in a, in a week nine matchup, and that was probably their best defensive game of the season against a Raiders team who has some solid offensive weapons. They have Darren Waller, they have Hunter Renfro, they have Josh Jacobs, they have Kenyon Drake, and they have Derek Carr, who going into that game was one of the top five passers in terms of uh, most yards thrown in the season so far going into that game. So the Giants did have their hands full. And in terms of the ability to stop the red zone defense as well, that's really where this defense impressed me. They were one and six, I believe, in terms of closing out the Raiders offense. When they were in the red zone, they forced turnovers. I know Xavier McKinney, he had a tremendous game uh, forcing two interceptions. One of those interceptions returned for a touchdown. So I really liked what I saw out of the defense as a whole. And so this leads me to a, to a question that I wanted to discuss. Is the Giants' defense back? Are they back to that level that we saw them end in the second half of last year? And to answer that question, I, I don't know if we're there yet. I, I don't know if they're there yet. They have a long season left with a tremendous amount of opponents left that have the capability of putting numbers on defenses. They have opponents, like coming off this bye week. They have an opponent, uh, opponent in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have opponents like the Philadelphia Eagles, who – have impressed, uh, who who have quite impressed. They just put up 30 points on the Denver Broncos last week, 
who the Denver Broncos, who while we thought or most thought that their offense wasn't so spectacular, their defense was coming on in a sense. They play the Miami Dolphins, who just beat out the uh, just beat out the Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. They have a, uh, they have one more matchup against the Dallas Cowboys, and and as a Giants fan, we all saw how matchup number one, uh, the result of that matchup in Arlington. Then you have a matchup against the Los Angeles Chargers, who Justin Herbert, even though the Chargers have not looked great as of late, they still have a tremendous amount of weapons that the Giants defense is going to have to deal with from Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Jared Cook, Austin Eckler. The list goes on and on, and the offensive line creates tremendous protection for a quarterback in Justin Herbert. So to answer that question, is the Giants defense back? I think it's a little too early. I'd like to see a little bit more of a sample size out of what this defense can do. I know we're at week uh, at week 11 now, so I think a lot of people, including myself, would have hoped that that question would have been answered earlier in the season rather than later. But still a ton of matchups left to be said to really see what this Giants defense and really as a team, what they're capable of doing. But going back to this Raiders game, although the defense played very well, in this matchup, Daniel Jones was only able to throw for 110 passing yards against a defense who was ranked second worst in the NFL in terms of amount of passing yards given up per game. I believe the Raiders had given up around 320 yards per game passing uh, as their average. And so this leads me into my next topic of discussion, my next question. Is there any concern with Daniel Jones being the quarterback moving forward for this New York Giants football team? And as most of you know, I have wanted to be very supportive of Daniel Jones as the successor to Eli Manning, the next quarterback to lead this Giants team for the next 10, 15 years. But with his play, it's made it very difficult to make a case in supporting him and making a case for him to be the longtime successor to Eli Manning. Uh, after this game, it was it was very concerning because the, the Giants had some that they hadn't had for a long time. They had their weapons healthy, right? Kyle Rudolph was healthy. They had Kenny Galladay in the game. They had Kadarius Toney in the game. They had Evan Ingram in the game. What a great touchdown catch um, in the first quarter. I get it. They did not have Saquon Barkley. I do not believe that they had Sterling Shepard either in this game. I want to say they didn't. They did not have Sterling Shepard in this game. They had Darius Slayton in this game. So they had most of their weapons for, for Daniel Jones to throw to and, and just zero production on behalf of the passing game. Uh, again, the numbers may be uh, lying in a sense. You might see 15 of 20 completions. That's a that's a great percentage. Had a 104.2 QBR, which is great, but only 110 passing yards behind it, one passing touchdown. And as I said earlier when talking about the defense, the defense had to carry this Giants team to that victory. So to answer this question, I, it is concerning. And, and I think for a lot of Giants fans, not just myself, it's been concerning throughout the entirety of the year. Because while Daniel Jones has not had tremendous numbers in terms of his passing yards, in terms of consistency, in terms of holding on to the football, whether it's a fumble, whether it's making smart de uh, decisions with the football, when it comes to throwing interceptions, when it comes to being on the same page with receivers and their route running and overthrowing on passes that need to be completed, uh, not being able to complete in the red zone. The Giants are one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the red zone. And I know a lot of people blame Jason Garrett for that in his game planning. 
But we have to remember this is a professional athlete. This is a quarterback. This is a sixth overall first-round pick who is now playing at the highest of levels. You have to hold him accountable as well. And through nine weeks, uh, now going to be 11, the Giants didn't play, obviously, in week 10. So now in week 11, this will be 10 games for Daniel Jones underneath his belt this season. He has a stat line that, frankly, is not that impressive. Eight passing touchdowns, five interceptions, uh, an 87 QBR rating. He has 2,000 passing yards. He has a 64.5 completion percentage. He has two rushing touchdowns, but the but the rush game has kind of gone away over the last couple matchups. The Giants really haven't used him in that rushing format since he took that injury in Dallas, that really bad hit. They haven't, they've they've kind of taken him out of the run game and they've kind of taken that out of his game and the and the game plan as a whole. It's not so impressive. It's not so impressive. In today's day and age, we we look at what wins in today's NFL. And granted, defense is very important. And I and I don't want to shy away from that whatsoever. But offense more than ever has become the key to winning football games. If you cannot score points in this league, if you cannot convert on red zone opportunities, if you cannot throw touchdowns, as a quarterback in today's day and age, you need to throw at least 25 touchdowns in in a season. That's what that's what you need to do in order to be successful. I think that that is the that is the floor in order for success. You look at some of the teams that make it to the playoffs, uh, and especially being having added a a another game to a 16 game schedule, a 17th game, adding a 17th game to the NFL season. You should be at least hitting 25 touchdowns passing, and we are at week 11 right now, and Daniel Jones is not even at double-digit passing touchdowns. And I think that's concerning. That's concerning because what that means is he's on pace to have around 16, 17 touchdowns in a season, which is not that impressive going forward, and I don't know if you could win with that going forward. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have James Montesco joining us. James, we down the court for the last 11 and a half minutes. What's up? I think I'd say. I'd say. How you doing, man? Good, you know I'm doing great. You know, nothing like coming from work to directly here. You know, I'm glad you're able to hold down the fort for 11 strong minutes. Um, let's just say I uh, I made it here in uh, quicker than I thought. Good for you, man. Good for you. But happy to have you join me here, James. I was just wrapping up. We were, I was just talking about Daniel Jones. Obviously, the Giants mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't play this week, but. Yep. It comes into discussion when you play a team in the Las Vegas Raiders who are one of the second or was the second worst uh, pass ranked teams in the NFL, a team that gives up 324 plus pass passing yards per game. And you look at Daniel Jones and, and quarterback in this Giants team. Yes, it's a victory, but only 110 passing yards for Daniel Jones is, you know, I answered my side of uh, the question how I felt. Is there any concern with Daniel Jones moving forward? Not necessarily just from this one game, but from what we've seen as a whole from Daniel Jones this season. I feel like this is almost an every season kind of discussion slash every game kind of discussion or every week um, is it depends on who's healthy for him or not. If he's healthy, if him and the rest of the team's healthy, they'll do fine. If they're not, he stumbles a little bit. It's a matter of who's healthy, who's not. 
I wouldn't say it's a concern for Daniel Jones. If that, if those, if the numbers keep trending in that direction or stay the same coming off this bye week, then it would be somewhat a concern. But he should have back, I believe. Barkley's coming back out. I would imagine ha- Barkley's coming back. I would imagine Slayton, Shepard, Tony, I've, I've Galladay. You know, I figured he has some, more of a wide receiver core than Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph, and that's it. Well, that's that, that, that's why I brought up this point, James, because he had those guys. The only person that he didn't have in terms of the ability to throw the ball to in that previous game against the Raiders was Shepard. He had Slayton. He had mm-hmm. Tony. He had Galladay. They just were not really getting anything going in the past game. And people would say, well, they didn't necessarily have to when you have a guy in uh, uh, um, Devontae Booker having the game that he was having. I believe he finished with like 99 rushing yards, which is a great rush game. They don't have to when they had the defense playing the way the defense was playing. But I I, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting topic of discussion to discuss. Again, we're we're midway through year three. And, you know, I I still think that there is – uh, a lot of concern you know the turnovers have still been there only eight passing touchdowns through now uh nine weeks of football mm-hmm. you know it's a little concerning but moving on James you brought up a point earlier in your answer about the Daniel Jones discussion not having Saquon Barkley it was reported yesterday that Barkley is trending in the right direction to play this Monday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers what are your thoughts and how effective do you think Barkley will be in his first game back? Because we saw early in the season, you know, uh, coming off the ACL tear, they kind of yep. mixed him into the lineup, used him, uh, used him not as much as a lot of people would have thought they would have in the first couple games against Washington and, and Denver specifically that first game of the season because they're trying to work him back in. Do you see the Giants kind of taking the same kind of movement with Saquon in his now return back once again? I think they will. Um, I think they know that Saquon, yes, he is the main back, but we have seen in – I'm blanking on the uh, running back's name at, that we have at the moment, um, and he's on my fantasy team, which is great. Booker. Um, Booker. Booker. Yeah. We see in what – thank you. We see what Booker's able to do and able to carry a low like that. So it's – Honestly, coming from a fan's opinion, it's nice to see that we're able to have Booker and Barkley where they can share loads. Yes, Barkley's that number one back, but to ease him back in, I want to give him a full workload, especially against the Bucks, just because that defense and you come off an injury like that. It was it was his knee, right? I, I'm I'm forgetting what injury. I don't know why. Yeah, it was, it was his ankle. His, his ankle. ankle. So all right, it's so part of the foot or the leg. So, not that I'm saying it's not healed, it is most likely, but you also have to ease him back in where it's not, you're looking at, God forbid, he goes down again in a week, and a week and a half, it's like, well, was he rushed back by any chance, or not? Yeah, well, that, that's going to be, that's what's going to be interesting about this team moving forward, because everybody likes to talk about, you know, and, and I, I, I'm somebody who's done the same thing, is that, we know how important Saquon Barkley is to this Giants team. Yes. We saw what happened in year one. But, James, after that, they've kind of had to learn how to play without him more than play mm-hmm. with him. So when it comes back to what he can do in an offense, it, it becomes questionable. I mean, we know what he can do, 
But what can he do with Daniel Jones, right? We saw what he did with Eli Manning in year one. We don't know what he could do with Daniel Jones because he hasn't had so many great performances. I agree. He hasn't had that one person. Um, You know, that, that core guy, which is hurting Jones a little bit, but at the same time, I think, hopefully, this injury that Barkley has just gotten through is his last injury for the season and for a while where Barkley gets back to his own own self. I think it's also now we incorporate such a weapon in him where he can come out of the backfield, where he can line up in slot or receiver, where it's now going to open the playbook up for Daniel Jones. Um, and he will be – Daniel Jones will be able to do more. Jason Garrett can open the book along with able to understand everything that's going on. That – Yes, while we have Barkley back, but look how well Booker played, and we can incorporate both of them into the scheme. Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope so because, as I alluded to earlier, you know we, we've seen what a Saquon Barkley can do with this Giants team in year one, but we we just don't know what else to come from because no. he's had so many injuries. He hasn't had so much success when Daniel Jones has been the quarterback or when Jason Garrett has been the offense coordinator or when Joe Judge has been the head coach. Mm-hmm. He, he hasn't had these moments. He hasn't – I don't even know. James, he's played – he got hurt two games into the season last year. He got hurt, what, four or five games into the season this year? He's only played yeah. – he's only played seven, six games under Jason Garrett, six, seven games under Joe Judge, we don't know what I, what he's capable of doing. No, we don't, which is the, a big question mark and a big factor coming into the rest of the season because the way we're sitting now, you know, we saw Dallas and how explosive they were, but they did play the Falcons. So, I mean, you know. Um, so, I think it. this is ultimately the true test for the offense, for Barkley, for Jones, for Garrett as well, pretty much for the whole team. Not that I'm saying they're going to get rid of Joe Judge. They're not going to get rid of Barkley. They're not going to get rid of um, Daniel Jones, maybe Jason Garrett, depending on how well they perform. But I think this is a true test. We got through pretty much our toughest schedule, and we played pretty well. Yep, the Giants have stayed competitive. They, they you have. Know. I think they played a lot tighter in, in the Chiefs game than a lot of people anticipated. Uh Winning the the Raiders game, uh, being as competitive as they were in that game as well, uh, you know they they have played games tight. It's just been a matter with this team closing out, right? Yeah. You look at those games against Atlanta, games against Washington, and you say to yourself, as a, even the Chiefs game, you say to yourself as a Giants fan, you say, well, this can be a completely different conversation if those games go the other way. But bottom line is, and, and we know this throughout any sport, is that. Bad teams can't close out games. Exactly. That's it. James Robinson with the comment. James, thank you very much for commenting. Booker is very solid, but I'm excited to see Barkley again. Me too, James. Me too. I'm, I'm really excited to see him back. I think that the Giants had a huge morale boost in that mm-hmm. win against the Las Vegas Raiders coming off a of bye week. Uh, now going up into my next question, James, the Buccaneers. They're yes. coming off a 29 to 19 loss to the Washington football team where Washington found a way to force Tom Brady to make costly mistakes. Yep. And my question to you is, can the Giants do the same thing in their week 11 matchup? Well, 
I want to ask you a question before I answer your question. Okay. Um, how did you feel watching Taylor Heineke and your Washington uh, Washington boys win over Brady? It was it, – it's – I don't want to say it's exciting – because again, you, you you guys like to deem me as a <laughs> as a as a Washington football fan. I'm I am a fan to the core of the New York Giants, and I will always be. But I'll tell you this: in terms of surprises this year in the NFL, there has been surprises week in and week out, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it later. The amount of crazy stuff that went down this weekend, uh, the amount of crazy things that have just happened in the NFL alone this season in terms of the amount of upsets that we have seen so far just through the first 10 weeks of football, still another eight weeks left. And I don't really think that anybody with confidence can say who we are going to see in the Super Bowl between the NFC and AFC. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of confidence from what we've seen so far. But moving on, uh, switching gears back to the Giants and their matchup against Tampa, can the Giants do the same thing? Um, Oh, boy. It's – Go, James. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'll let you take a breath. It's not impossible we can do the same thing, but we do know that Tom Brady, after having one bad game, he comes out and destroys any team in front of him. So, you know, I'm just throwing it out there for us fans that Tom Brady might just um, just decide to be like, you know what, that was nice Washington beat us. Oh, we got the Giants next week. Oh, I still have the two losses in my head from the two Super Bowls. They uh, they made me lose. I think I'm going to beat them up. You know, I even though that I could see, I can see it's an upset right here, right now with that. But I also have to look at the true reality. Tom Brady had a bad game. He had two interceptions early on. He he could they couldn't recover from that. Ultimately, Tom Brady's just going to go out there have a day. Our defense will. It will bend. It won't break. It really depends on our offense. Are we able to get anything going? Jason Pierre-Paul is on the opposite end. You do know how that's going to end up. Um, and it's also a primetime game, you know? Can the yeah, Giants okay. finally step up almost and be productive in a primetime game when they're given one? Or will they falter, bend, crack, break, and look like an embarrassment on Monday night? Yeah, no, James, you bring up a lot of interesting points. Uh, I, I mean, I know we know with the Chiefs game, I, I sent you and Tom a stat that Daniel Jones is 0-7, which is the in primetime matchups. And this is another primetime matchup against defending Super Bowl champs. And James Robinson in the comment section, that Tampa defense is fraudulent. James, I, I agree with you 100%. I think more so the, the secondary is fraudulent, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily so the run game which is why I question if the Giants are going to be able to beat this team. Because we know that, well, number one, we know that Tom Brady is going to play angry, and that is dangerous. He has mm-hmm. lost two straight weeks in a row, one bad loss to the Saints against Trevor Simeon, and now a bad loss against the Washington football team to Taylor Heineke. And now he's playing the New York Giants on a primetime game. He, I don't want to say expected, but could have Rob Gronkowski back, could have Antonio Brown back, which is huge. Mm-hmm. And we know that with that passing defense for Tampa, that's really the weakness. And, and with the Giants passing game, James, that's 
that's why it's so hard for me to pick the Giants in this matchup because you say to yourself, well, if Tampa's only only fault is going to be their pass defense and the Giants do not have a good pass game, how are the Giants going to win this game? How are they going to win this game? I mean, hopefully picks and takeaways, pick sixes almost throughout the game, ultimately. You know, <laughs> that that's more of a joke um, for any viewers. But it it's going to come down to is – can Daniel Jones step up to the plate and make plays when he needs to? I mean, we've seen it that he can, but also can he throw it to the correct guys? Will Evan Ingram not start being him old, old self again and start, oh, I got the ball. Oh, I tipped it into a linebacker's hands, and now it's an interception. Are they able, are they able to keep their defense, keep the Giants' defense, I mean, off the field? Um, for a long period of time. That will also show us or hope they can win the game that way because if they can't keep their defense off the field, if the Giants don't have 75% of time of possession throughout the game, we're done. We're done. I, would say, I would say 75% is a lot. What, but, that, I, understand, I understand what you're saying. I, I understand what you're saying. If If, if – the Giants' defense is out on the field too long. They're going to get gassed, and it's going to give absolutely no chance for them to have a chance against Tom Brady in this offense. Exactly. Uh, James in the comment section, again, do you think Tampa is in trouble if they lose this game by double digits, or does the margin not matter? I don't think it matters, James, uh, whether it's double digits or whether it's by one point. Uh, and to be honest, as I said earlier, you know we've seen so many upsets this year, and I don't think that anybody can really pinpoint a direction – of where this league is going in terms of, hey, we got a Super Bowl in February. I don't think anybody really could say who's the favorite to get there, whether it's the NFC or the AFC. If we go I mean, back to last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers through the first 12 weeks of football were 7-5. and five. You know, obviously they had Tom Brady, but with a 7-5 and five record, you think you'd be confident at that point in time back in week 12 last year to say that Tampa was going to win the Super Bowl? That's Even, true. I don't think that would have been the case. I don't think that would have been the case. And I know they stand at a six and three record right now, which is kind of similar to last year's record as well at this point in time. Uh, I don't think the margin matters. Uh, I I don't think if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose this game, it it matters. I think that it will come into question whether or not this defense is capable of keeping the offense in games because the offense has been able to – put up some numbers. Tom Brady has made some costly turnovers in both Saints and Washington's matchup, but that secondary does not give them a chance, uh, speaking for Tampa. And, and we've seen earlier this season, the Kansas City Chiefs, everybody was, you know, where this Chiefs team, you know, just went to the Super Bowl, all these same kind of concerns, same kind of secondary concerns. And now the Chiefs are riding high, have won three straight games in a row. They feel like they got their swagger back. And nobody's really talking about him anymore as a, oh, we don't think this team could make it. In fact, a lot of people are switching gears back to saying, oh, they might be the favorites once again back in the AFC. That's why, you know, I I don't think this game is going to be the telling tale whether or not, you know, Tampa is a good team. If they win, I don't think it's going to be a telling tale. If if they lose, is this team a bad team? It's going to be another game. Mm -hmm. It's going to be in the middle of the season. They have plenty of time to get healthy, plenty of time to recover, because I don't think they're a team in which anybody could question, at least at this point in time, I don't think that anybody's questioning whether or not this team is going to be in the playoffs. This team is going to be in the playoffs. 
I don't think it matters if they have a if they have a bye week if they finish off with the number one seed. I think they're going to make the playoffs, and that's all that matters. You put Tom Brady in the playoffs, that's dangerous. But again, to refocus back on this discussion about the Giants and Tampa, James, real quick to wrap us up, give me a final score of this game, and who do you think is coming out victorious? Giants winning. Okay. Okay. Um, Daniel Jones gets his first primetime win and Tom Brady loses three in a row. 24-17. Oh, okay. And since it's Monday night, I hope Eli and Peyton have their own little sideshow so I can watch that and and see that. I don't know if they have their little sideshow this week, but, yeah, I got the Giants. 24-17. Okay. Okay. I have the – I'm going to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – I'm going to have them winning in this game. I think we're going to wind up seeing a final score of, let's say, 30 to 17. I, I think oh, boy. The Giants, uh, it's going to be – It's going to be, be a long night. It's, I, right. well, I don't think it's going to be a long night. I think what will wind up happening is, like you alluded to earlier, the Giants are going to bend. I don't think they're ever going to break. But I think that once that end of the third quarter, fourth quarter rolls around, that's when they'll start to break away a little bit. and. I don't know if the Giants will be able to compete offensively with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. So my final score, 30-17. to 17, Tampa Bay Buccaneers pull out a Monday night victory and move 7-3 and three on the season. The Giants move 3-7 and seven on the season. So moving okay. on, James, the other football team in New York, the New York Jets. The New um, York Jets. I, I, didn't we have uh, some review and preview people at the game this weekend? Did we? Uh, well, I know Kyle was at the game. Kyle, Kyle was at not Russo. No, uh, Earhart. Earhart was, was um, at the game. I know Fonz was at the game. Fonz um, was at the game. Sam I was at the game. Sam was at the game. Um, I actually knew some other people that I went to college with at the game. So it was like a big. You, they all picked the wrong game to go to, unfortunately. Well, I think a lot of those people, with the exception of Earhart, was rooting for Buffalo. So uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know if it was the wrong game. Uh, that's they were true. coming for Buffalo. They got a they got a tremendous performance from Buffalo. But the Jets, the Jets are coming off a loss with a final score of forty five to seventeen. Uh, lost to Buffalo, where quarterback Mike White threw four interceptions. Will the quarterback focus, James? Now move back onto Zach Wilson once he is healthy to play again. I, I think we could say the. Uh, the um the Mike the, White hype train the has Mike White hype train has uh, left the station for a while or at least for this time being James yeah 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 no I'm sorry yeah um yeah the Mike sorry Russo the Mike White train um, long day long day yeah long day um has left um listen everybody was hyped around him yes he played well obviously we know it's going to come crashing down. Um, I did not think it was going to come crashing down that hard, um, but I have a, I don't understand personally. He threw four interceptions. I know the game was a complete blowout. Whatever, you bring in Joe Flacco. He dressed. He's. I believe he was the backup quarterback. Why aren't you putting him out there? Well, it's because they liked what they saw out of Mike White. Two weeks but he wasn't showing anything. The, I know we, a week the, uh, prior, but. When you already have like two or three picks, I mean, did, did, does it help your cause to even keep Mike White in? Like, 
the points they got ultimately were garbage time points, starting in like the third quarter. I understand so, that, but but what is what does what is the value in playing Joe Flacco, who we know is at the end of his career? Again, would he have done so much better? Realistically, I mean, no, but I mean, it's a different face in there than and, Mike and, White. And granted, the Jets uh, they were down seventeen to three at the half, so it was it's still two scores again. It's yeah. A, it's still two scores. You're, you're being semi-competitive. Uh, the Mike White hype was never real. Alec, I know you don't live in the New York area, man, but it was real. It was real. It was real. It was real. This was like the the Jeremy Lin era, except for football. It was it was a great yeah. two weeks, three weeks, um, <laughs> and, and then it was over. I mean, we we saw how he played against. Uh, we saw he played against Cincinnati. Yep. He had a great first drive against the Colts and then went out and never went back in. And then everybody was expecting, I don't want to say big things because this is a Buffalo team in which we know is fantastic on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But for Mike White to to throw as many interceptions and really give the Jets no chance, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming uh, out of the, out of the quarterback this week. No, I don't think so either, especially how well he played. I mean, four interceptions, I would understand one, two, but when you get the four, that's uh, that's kind of embarrassing. Um, you know, th- this team's young. They're all in the learning phase, in a sense. You know, new head coach, new scheme, whatever. Um, you know, and they were I, – I heard on some highlights and whatnot, I heard that ever since they moved, whatever coach was down below, upstairs, it only made it made it better for the quarterbacks. I don't know. This is what I, I like know. heard, like re highlighted stuff. Um, but ultimately, the Jets have a long way to go. They get Zach Wilson back, I think, this week. I'm not sure if it's this week or not. Uh, so, I'm not sure if it's this week, but so, um, so then I got a question for you and yeah. the viewers if Zach Wilson doesn't come back this week, after what we saw with Mike White this past weekend, who do you start? Joe Flacco or Mike White? I think that you start Mike White again. I I think that you do. I don't think that there was any shot that anybody believed that the Jets were going to beat the Buffalo Bills. Mm -hmm. Again, I I don't think a lot of people saw a blowout to this magnitude coming. Uh, I think they were down. I think they were down like 45 to three at one point. It was something tremendous. Sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. right well, we sounds but, about uh, right when I check the score, but yeah. But, uh, but I don't think anybody saw something like that coming. But going into this week, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, they are playing the Miami Dolphins, who, granted, before this Thursday night victory against the Baltimore Ravens, were were looking terrible themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that, at least with Mike White, it, it gives you something to – uh, I guess bring some value to the offense instead of starting. Uh, yeah, I would start Mike White too. What value does Flacco? That's James. That's exactly what I was just alluding to. I'd let Mike White continue to again experience. I agree a hundred percent. I think that I guess the 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 leash is shorter in this game. You know, we we start getting to halftime and Mike White just can't get anything going. Then you probably bring in Flacco for the second half, or maybe even Johnson for the second half because. 
Johnson came in for Mike White against the Colts and looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. The the Jets had dug themselves a massive hole, and Johnson did probably one of the best jobs that you could in terms of trying to dig themselves out of that hole in that game. Wasn't enough. They still lost by 15, 45 to 30, but he did a great job in doing so. But I think that Mike White does get the start this week against the Miami Dolphins. And, James, you talked about the youth of this team, and you talked about the new head coach in Robert Sala, who I'm a big fan of. I don't care what anybody says. This is a young team. This is a team with a, uh, a lack of experience, uh, very, very youthful movement. But the Jets have given up 175 points in the last four games. 175 wow. points. Holy shit. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but damn. With the, I just I wasn't expecting that. With the defensive-minded coach, why why is their defense playing this bad? And how can they improve on the defensive side of the ball? Because we've seen their offense has had their points in time of success with whether it's Corey Davis or. Mm-hmm. Elijah Moore we'll talk about in a little bit. Michael Carter has looked good. Ty Johnson has looked good. Ryan Griffin has had some moments. Jamison Crowder has had some moments. You know, why is the defense being a defensive-minded coach and, and having some having some good pieces on the defensive side of the ball? Why are they playing this bad? Is it just because of the lack of experience? Is it because of the youth? Part of it's because of the youth, youth lack of experience. But I also think it's the amount of time they're on that football field. Yeah. Like, really? that You're telling me that 45 points, ultimately you're telling me your offense barely touched the field. Ultimately, in my mind. Well, well to, to be honest, uh, the Jets had a higher time in possession than the Buffalo Bills did. But the well, reason but- why – the reason why they did is because with the amount of interceptions thrown, the Bills had great, uh, great, had great field, field position, great That's field true. position in every single one of their scores. But I think I think it's the youth, um, and also, I mean, you're not getting off the field. Yeah, you bring up a good point that they got short. They were um, the Bills had a short field, but you also have to look at that. They might have been on the field for a total of three, four minutes with that short field, but the amount of pressure they have on them alone to make yeah. a stop, to try to get, just even let the Bills get three points, is just a lot of wear and tear on the body, a lot of wear and tear on the mental state. I think it's the youth. Um, they got to turn it around, too, on their defense just because it, their defense isn't – something isn't clicking there. I'm sure next season – You'll see a completely different Jet team, especially on the defensive side with a defensive head coach. Um, I don't know who's calling plays for the defense. Um, if you, Maybe you do. Um, I don't. I don't know who's calling plays for the defense, but that would uh, I that, that would be interesting to find out. We should know this. I, I don't know this off the top yeah. of my head. But point being, I would assume it's Salah running the defense. I, I know he's a head so. coach, but I would assume it's Salah being how Jets had kind of prided themselves and fans were excited because being this defensive minded coach, he was supposed to kind of turn this defense around and get it back to uh, old jet ways. great, the old jet ways and be great on defense once again. Uh, and, and they've just been far from that. And again, I agree with you that 
wild as a youth movement, their offense has put them in such a bad position, especially mm-hmm. the quarterback position where they're on the field for so long or their breaks are so short in between them just getting off the field because they keep on turning the ball over. I think that does play a key factor in that. But just something else that I want to talk about with this Jets team, although they have struggled mightily, don't get me wrong, mightily on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, rookie wide receiver Elijah Moore has Mm -hmm. looked very promising in his last three games, recording a total of 16 receptions for 195 yards and three touchdowns. I've since he was drafted in the second round out of Ole Miss by the Jets, I thought that was the steal of the draft. I'm liking a lot, and it's taken a while for the Jets to use him. I think at a at a high percentage, obviously bringing over a, a Corey Davis from the Tennessee Titans and having Jameson Crowder in there, who's the veteran, uh, and Elijah Moore, I would assume, is the third receiver in that in that route running the playbook. They've kind of Probably. taken a little bit of time to get him involved in the offense, but when they have. He's been very good, and and I think moving forward, this is a promising key piece for the Jets. Yeah, I think it's also um, he hasn't had – yeah, you, you say Zach Wilson started, then he got hurt, then he had Mike White. Mike White got hurt for a game, whatever, then Mike White comes back. Then you don't really know who's your real – not real, but you don't know who's, who's starting each week. I think that's also kind of slowed him down a little bit too. I think if he had more of a consistent quarterback, not – the in and out of Mike White, like Mike White has played a few games now. So, and then there's a, there's probably a certain playbook for Mike White on how much he knows and compared to what Zach Wilson knows and opening up different plays. I think that's played a factor in it too, but I wouldn't be too concerned right now. Um, He's a rookie. He's a young guy. He also has some veteran, veteran wide receivers that I'm sure that they're taking care of him in a way teaching him the ropes, showing him the playbook, helping him learn the play- playbook. I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the season if he's the number three guy, if you see him more of a number one, number two guy, or a number two, number one guy. Um, at least I hope because, like you said, it was the seal of the draft. He's played extremely extremely well. I mean, 16 receptions for 195 yards and three touchdowns. Just think if he had, if he knew the playbook a little bit more and also if he had – a quarterback that was there in week in week out. Yeah. I to think they're on that same page. Yeah, over time I think that they will be that they will be that they'll be in a good position. I think that the one difference that we saw with Sam Darnold in his tenure that I don't think that Zach Wilson will have to worry about as much is that at least from what we see on paper, I think the weapons are there for mm-hmm. a Zach Wilson versus when Sam Darnold was the quarterback. Yeah, um, in his tenure with the Jets. But last topic of discussion here on the Jets before we wrap up, the Jets will face off against the Miami Dolphins this week mm-hmm. after uh, a tremendous victory against the Ravens this past Thursday. Yep. The Dolphins are also a team that has struggled this year. How can the Jets win this game? How can they win this game coming off their last four games, giving up 175 points, getting blown out by almost, 30 points, losing by 28 points to the exact number in their last matchup against the Buffalo Bills. How can they win this game against the Dolphins? Well, I would say their defense, because we've seen the last two weeks when the Dolphins have played the Ravens and then played the Bills, if I got my weeks correct, in order. It was a very defensive game for both sides. Scoring nine points and, I don't know, six points or something. 
you know, having the opponent score that, that little. This, ultimately what this team needs to do, because seeing what the Dolphins can do on defense the last two weeks, is they need to expose that defense. They need to take shots down the field. Yeah. Whether that be deep passes, shortcuts, getting everybody involved where wherever they can, can when they can. Because this Dolphins team, at least on defense, I mean, they shut down Lamar. They shut down uh, Josh Allen. So two highly respected quarterbacks, two highly explosive quarterbacks. No, Lamar, you're, you're, you're thinking of the wrong matchup. When, no, when Josh Allen was shut down, he was shut down against Jacksonville. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Well, it was but a it's Florida a, but, team. But, but, That's why. Point, point being is that point, they shut down Lamar Jackson, yeah. one of the most electric players in football, one of the hardest to stop. And really, exactly. nobody's essentially had a game plan for him. And Miami did a, a great job in, in defending him. Exactly. So I don't know what, you know what, the Florida teams, man, that's what got me mixed up. Um, but ultimately what they got to do, they got to expose that defense. They got to be on the field a lot longer than five minutes, three minutes. They need to extend plays because otherwise their defense will give up. They already have 175 yards points given up. They'll probably give up another 20. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I, I think that the Jets, honestly, I think they have a great chance of winning this game. I think this is a game in which they can win. Mm-hmm. I think Miami has a lot of question marks. They don't have a Devontae Parker. They don't have a Will Fuller. They have questions at the running back position. They have questions at the quarterback position. Even a game in which they won against the Baltimore Ravens, this was just a heavily defensive game by the Miami Dolphins. Not necessarily the offense. The offense did what they needed to do. But the defense is really what kept them in this game between the switch-up of Jacoby Brissett to, mm-hmm. to Otoka Vailoa. One of their best weapons in Mike Gusecki didn't even have a catch in this game. Yep. And they managed to win, showing you know how much of a, a role that defense really played in terms of them beating Baltimore. I, I agree with you a lot in terms of you know having to take these deep shots downfield, having to take risks. I think that's how the Jets can win this game. They have deep threats like a Corey Davis. They have deep threats like a Jameson Crowder and an Elijah Moore. They have a solid tight end, Ryan Griffin. They've developed a decent run game with Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. Uh, the offensive line has been okay. The defensive line has been better, but the secondary has been questionable. But I don't think that they're going to have to worry as much in the secondary with the quarterback in which they're facing this week versus a Josh Allen who just has a cannon of an arm and you know have to worry about guys like Stefan Diggs and and Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox and, and even Josh Allen himself running the yeah. football. I, I think it's a lot less pressure. And I think the Jets can win this game. But, James, give me the final score of this game. Who do you think is winning? Um, Miami. 34-10. Wow. Even the Jets, no chance on defense, huh? Yeah. All right. I think that Miami pulls this win out as well. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm, I'm going to say 20-13. to 13. Okay. That's what I think it's going to happen on Sunday, I believe this game is. That's what I see happening uh, with Miami yeah. Dolphins-New uh, York Jets matchup. But, James, now on to our next segment as we get closer and closer to the top of the hour, the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to talk about some of the biggest storylines coming out of these Week 10 matchups in which we saw. And there's quite a few. But kind of honed uh, honed in on, on, I think, four of the key ones. 
that I think at least I saw this weekend. And of course, anything that you saw, feel free to bring up as well. And of course, in the comments section, if we don't get to a game in which you like to talk about, if we don't get to a turning point in the season type of game for a team that you thought was kind of falling off that had a tremendous performance, uh, please feel free to comment as well. But James, the first game that I want to talk about, Mm -hmm. as I alluded to, there was a lot of surprises that came out of Week 10 in terms of the upsets that took place. However, one of the biggest surprises that might have come out of Sunday, might have came out of this weekend, was the matchup on Sunday night between the Chiefs and the Raiders, where for the first time all season, the Chiefs' offense and defense looked like their old championship caliber self. And between Patrick Mahomes throwing for 400-plus yards and five touchdowns, between the defense playing the way that they did, is this Chiefs team back? Or is it it too early to say something like that? I know they're coming off three straight wins, and this is by far their best win of the season in terms of that old Chiefs uh, repertoire that we've seen in the past, especially out of Patrick Mahomes. But are they back? They're close to being back. They're close. They're 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 partial back. They're not fully back yet. It like you said, they've they've won the past few games in a row. They handle the Raiders easily, very easy. Their true test in my mind's happening in week eleven. Yep. I think against Dallas. Yeah. I think Dallas's defense has shown us that you know, they're, they're pretty they're, they're pretty good. I'm not going to say they're great because, you know, how I feel about that team. They're pretty good, and their offense is your pretty brain good as won't well. Allow, your brain won't allow you to to, to admit that the, the Dallas is just a good team this year. Exactly. Um, I think it it it's this weekend, week 11. Can the Chiefs put up not the same numbers they did with the Raiders because it's a completely different team, but they can, can they stay competitive with the Cowboys? Can they shut down the Cowboys? Can they shut down that wide receiver core? Can they shut down Zeke? That's where it's going to come and play because that defense, yeah, the defense looks good look good on the Chiefs this week. Spags must have figured something out. But are they able to keep it together this week, this coming week, week 11, against a very high-octane, high-powered offense where we've seen before they can run up and down the field, score whenever they want ultimately. Are the Chiefs able to hold them at bay where the Chiefs aren't playing catch-up? We've seen the Chiefs play catch-up. We've seen them win during those catch-up games. But ultimately, we'll find out week 11. Week 10, Chiefs look back to themselves. I, I can completely agree with you. They look back to them. They look the old way. It's this week. Can they keep that up? I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that the Dallas Cowboys have probably the best team that they've had in such a long time. Probably since the early 2010s, 10s, probably 2014-2015, the the day and age of Tony Romo and Jason and Witten and Des Bryant and DeMarco, yeah. Mar- uh, DeMarco Murray. Uh I agree with you. I think that this will be the true testing point. They've had three victories. Uh, they won three in a row. Mm-hmm. And in those three, uh, in those three victories, excuse me, in those three victories, they've beaten the Giants by three, barely beaten the Giants. They have barely beaten the Green Bay Packers with no Aaron Rodgers. 
They beat them by six points and struggled to score. Mm -hmm. And they beat the Las Vegas Raiders, who have been going through a lot this season, to say the least. So, again, it's three wins. You're in the NFL. Three wins are three wins. But I agree 100% with your statement earlier saying that this will be the true testing point. I think that this will be one of the more competitive teams yep. in which they have played in a very, very long time, which will be the testing point. They, they haven't played a very, very competitive team since Tennessee, and they got blown out in a 27-3 loss where they couldn't even score a touchdown in that game. Yep. So I agree with you. I don't think they're back. It's nice to see that this offense and defense is still capable of playing up to that level, but I need to see it. Interesting, interesting little switch up there, James. I, I need I to. I don't it. know what I did. I touched my screen. Okay, this is weird. I need All to right. see it uh, keep more it consistently this. from the Kansas City Chiefs in order to believe that what we saw on Sunday night is is going to be the uh, constant for the rest of the season, to say the least. Moving on to another team in which has some questions after their week uh, week 10 matchup. We talked about them earlier when discussing the Giants. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've suffered mm-hmm. two bad losses against the last two opponents in the Saints and most recently the Washington football team. Yep. And although they have a record of 6 and 3 and, mm-hmm. and on their championship run last season they had a record of 7 and 5 through the first 12 games, should there be any concern moving forward and if so, what is the most concerning part about this team for you in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? So it's a yes and a no type of answer for me. I know that's not a real answer, but yes, they're going to be okay because of who who's in quarterback, their weapons they have, that defense is pretty good. No, because we've seen Kyle, I think you brought it up to me and Tom over the weekend or in our group chat or the review and preview group chat with everybody is they don't have AB and they don't yeah. have Gronk. If you say if you don't have AB, but you have Gronk, Gronk is a complete game changer, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So with you. without him, Brady does not have his safety net in a sense. Like he can't look down the middle of the field and be like, all right, Gronk's covered, but I know he's going to catch this. You know, he he has Mike Evans. He has other guys, but he doesn't have his safety net where he can't find anybody. Brady's not going to run it out, but he's like, oh, where's my safety net? When he doesn't have his safety net there, it's only going to hurt him. And I think that's what we saw this past weekend against Washington. Gronk was out. A.B. was out. Yes, A.B., you know, he's a he's a good football player. He brings a lot to the table. But he does. he's not that safety valve or a safety net that Brady brings. Uh, Gronk, Gronk brings to Brady. Um, no, I, yeah. I, you know? I agree with you. I agree with you. And, and that's why... I think when we talked about the Giants earlier, I said just the presence of getting potentially Gronk back, let alone A.B. as well, I think will be too much to overcome. Um, Again, I think there is concern moving forward, Mm -hmm. especially because of how deep we are into the season with that secondary being such a question mark because they cannot stop anything. I, I think that obviously nobody wants to question Tom Brady and what he's done and what he's accomplished because when you do that, you look silly at the end of the day because the man goes out and goes to the NFC Championship, goes to win a Super Bowl and whatever. But I, I will say it is a little concerning because while the secondary has definitely been an issue, Tom Brady has has thrown four interceptions, uh, I believe, in the last yeah. two games. 
which is extremely costly in both in both of these games. Where in the Saints game they only lost by a few points, and they lost by ten points against the Washington football team in a fourth quarter. James, I don't know if you saw that in the fourth quarter, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers basically never even had the ball. The yeah. Washington football team had the ball for the final like ten and a half minutes. They had a ten and a half minute last quarter drive. That was nineteen plays. Uh, the, they didn't even have a chance to get the ball back in Tampa because they couldn't stop Washington on the defensive side of the ball. So that's why I believe that secondary, while well, as well as Tom Brady in the in the and passing has been an issue, that secondary has also been an issue. But again, I don't think that anybody's questioning. Uh, I think they're going to win the division. Mm-hmm. As I stated earlier, they're going to be in the playoffs. Yep. And I don't think when all said is done, uh, nobody's going to be surprised once again what Tom Brady is able to accomplish no matter what age he is. A lot of people, wow, James, I know you're not a fan of me saying that. I I think that we can agree with that statement in saying that Tom Brady has never surprised. It almost becomes expected at this point. Just based on the bar in which he's set. Yep. No, I I accept that he's a great player. But, you know, there's just, you know. And let's just move on. We'll leave it as that. <laughs> Moving on, as James looks to move on. Last <laughs> week, the Carolina Panthers re-signed a familiar face in longtime quarterback Cam Newton. And Newton made a tremendous impact in his first game back with a total of two touchdowns, one rushing and one yep. passing. And with a defense as good as, the, as good as the Panthers have and as good as an offense now that they have with the running and passing threat of Newton, who is now expected to be the starter, it's being reported in week 11, how good can this Panthers team be moving forward? You know, they just got McCaffrey back as well, who we know when he's in the lineup, he's almost impossible to stop. Yeah, He could go for 100 yards rushing and 100 yards receiving with three total touchdowns, game in and game out, the way that they create a system for him and the Carolina Panthers offensively. I believe they sit at a record right now of 5-5, and so – they're not out yep. of the mix. They're not even out of the mix of winning the division with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, when no, do you don't. see how how far can they how far can they go, and are they a serious threat? Carolina bringing Cam Newton is just, I mean, that whole. I'm sorry, but that that's a complete nightmare. I mean, you let him go, you, even though you're paying him, and then you you sign some other guy, you let him go, you're still paying his salary, you bring in Darnold, Darnold's your answer, no, he's not, you're still paying him, and now you bring uh, uh, Newton back, and complete nightmare down there. It's a plain and simple. But ultimately, Cam looked comfortable, Cam looked like him all himself. I think he's happy to be back in Carolina. I think he's happy to be back with, was McCaffrey with him during his during his time there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So being back with his, no, his his running back, he's known for most of his for a good part of his career. Yeah, I think this, he, was, he was basically there with all of his old teammates. The yes. only one that that's new, I think, is Robbie Anderson. Otherwise, okay. you know, DJ Everybody, was there. Christian McCaffrey was there. Basically, the core of that offense is there. So he's coming back with the core. They all know him. They he knows them. It's I want. To, I'm not saying it's a match made in heaven right now. But it's only going to help this team. They, they play Washington in Week 11. They should be able to beat Washington. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see this team go on a run. Cam Newton's going to be their answer down there in, in, uh, kind of in the Panthers organization. Sam Darnold is nothing but probably a second guess as of right now. 
Yeah, I would happen to agree with you. I would happen to agree with you. Uh, I, I know that in this matchup against the Arizona Cardinals this past weekend, they were without Kyler Murray and they were without DeAndre Hopkins, which is huge. But Arizona going into this game had one of the best defenses in football, mm-hmm. and they just absolutely torched them with a final score of 34 to uh, 34 to 10. 10. And then with the upcoming schedule, they play Washington, then they play Miami, then they mm-hmm. have a bye week. Mm-hmm. Then they play Atlanta, which is another winnable game. So three very winnable games. Yep. Then they the three of their actually their last four matchups are, are difficult. Four three of those games being on the road, okay. one against Buffalo, one against New Orleans, and the last game of the season against Tampa. And mm-hmm. then their home game is against Tampa as well. So two matchups against Tampa, one matchup against New Orleans on the road, and one matchup against the Bills on the road. Those are four very difficult games, but those next three games are definitely winnable football games. And I think that a lot of people would agree. I think Camden being the quarterback in those games, although I still think the opposing team has the edge, Cam Newton in those games compared to Sam Darnold in those games gives them, I think, a, a better chance to win the football. Yeah, game. I think you're going to see this week and for the next few weeks a lot of in our quick picks, a lot of um, Carolina picks out of a few of us, just knowing Cam's back and what he's done this past week. Yeah, absolutely. And James, one of the last games that I want to discuss that happened this week, just uh, what wasn't the flashiest of games whatsoever, but I think the storyline behind it is worth mentioning. Uh, after their week four loss to the New York Jets, the Tennessee Titans have not looked back, being one of the best, if not the best teams in football, mm-hmm. winning six straight games against some of the best teams in the NFL, like the Buffalo Bills, like the Kansas City Chiefs, and like the L.A. Rams. How legit are the Titans moving forward, even without their star running back in Derrick Henry? They've been able to overcome, it looks like. Um, they've been able to work things out. I think they're somewhat of a legit team right now. I don't know if that if they will stay on this hot hand. I'm trying to look at who they play next week to figure out. Um, what is this? Next the week they play the Houston Texans, which that's a, oh, that's a, that's a win. Game. All right, so let's 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 look at week twelve. Then they play. Then they play New England, who is that's a good team. That's a good team, especially with Mac Jones and the way what he looked like this past weekend. But then um, after the bye week, they have a bye week week twelve. You play okay. Jacksonville, that's winnable. That's winnable. You play Pittsburgh, that's winnable. Yeah. You you play San Francisco. I know they had a great game against the Rams last night, but that's a winnable game. That's winnable. Then you play Miami and then end the season against Houston. Those are two winnable games as well. So they can almost win out, basically. Yeah, basically. I, I mean, I, I would say in their last seven games of the season, maybe one, two losses for them. Yeah, I they, they are a legit team right now. Um, we just listed off where they play. They should lose maybe one game out of that whole thing. I think they honestly lose against um, the Pats. But this team, I guess they took the loss from the Jets extremely hard. I mean, I would too. Yeah. And just using that to energize them, feed their fuel, feed feed their hunger to win. I wouldn't be surprised if this team surprised a lot of people towards the, not only because of how easy this schedule is, but surprises them during playoffs. No, neither neither would I. And I think something that was going against the Tennessee Titans going into the season, which has kind of been the opposite uh, of the reason in which they're winning these games, is their defense has been tremendous. Yes. They're 
And their secondary has been good, but their their front line, their D line has been fantastic. Between Danico Autry, Harold Landry, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, mm-hmm. uh, they they've been incredible. And then Kevin Byard, of course, he's just he's doing tremendous things in the secondary once again this season. Has five interceptions on the year, one return for a touchdown. He's playing great at the safety position right now for them. Uh, Jack Rabbit, James, you remember him very well. He's playing, yes, I do. He's playing very well, too, uh, in this secondary for the uh, ten- Tennessee Titans. Well, the offense, you know, Ryan Tannehill is not putting up flashy numbers. And nope. it's because he's in an offense where he doesn't have to. I mean, since Derrick. losing Derrick Henry in that Indianapolis game, mm-hmm. his, pro- his previous two matchups, he is – the same exact thing in terms of passing stats. 19 yep. for 27, both against the Rams and both against, and against the Saints. Mm-hmm. In the Rams game, only 143 yards for one touchdown and one interception. And against the Saints, 19 for 27, 213 yards for a touchdown. Nothing flashy whatsoever. No. Not at all. But they're winning is- games. Their defense is holding strong. And they're just not – they're not losing games. They look – they look well-rounded, I guess would be the, the correct saying, the correct phrase to describe them. They look well-rounded, and um, they're, they're going to be in the mix for the rest of the season. I think they will, too. I think when we get to playoff time, when really the good teams are showing face, I think that's when maybe we'll start to question this team a little more because, as we alluded to, they got a lot of easy matchups down the stretch yeah. with really the exception of that New England game and maybe that Pittsburgh game. Yeah, but we'll see come playoff time because this is definitely playoff team. They're going to win the division. Nobody, mm-hmm. excuse me, nobody's really staying competitive in that division. Uh, the the Indianapolis Colts have kind of fallen off, and we know the Texans and the Dolphins have just kind of played themselves out of being competitive Contention. in that division. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But James, moving on as we have completed our discussion about Week Ten, I want to talk about some of the Week Eleven matchups that we have in store because this week. I think we actually have a, a decent amount of good games to talk about. Really? There's, yeah, there's a lot of decent games to talk about. There's a lot so, of games where we could see uh, another week of a tremendous amount of upsets. You know, we talked about the Giants in Tampa earlier. Um, we talked about some other games. One of the first games that I want to start us off with, the Indianapolis Colts versus Buffalo. Mm. Now, I know I was just kind of talking down upon the, the Colts. Mm-hmm. But they have won four of their last five games with their only loss coming against the Tennessee Titans in a overtime loss, 35, uh, 34 to 31. Yes. But they've won four of their last five games. They, they've, been, they've been very good. They've been very good. Uh, again, those games have come against teams that aren't the greatest, but a win is a win. They're playing Buffalo in Buffalo, which is always tough. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz has looked very good this year. Uh, I think so. Uh, I think that a lot of people wrote him off as a bust last year after the season with the Eagles, but in a situation of a familiar situation where Frank Reich, who was the offensive coordinator when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and Carson Wentz was having that MVP-like season, is now the coach of this Colts team and is leading an offense with guys like Michael Pittman Jr., who is fantastic, Jonathan Taylor, who is phenomenal, Guys like T.Y. Hilton returning, guys like Zach Pascal, um, a defense that is great, guys like Mo Ali Cox at the tight end position and Jack Doyle. So 
I think while the Bills are coming off a, a tremendous performance and the Colts are just barely beating the Jacksonville Jaguars this previous weekend, I think that could potentially be a good game as well. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That That's going to be an exciting game to watch. Um, you got two mobile quarterbacks going at it. That's – I think it's going to – for us or for some fans, it's going to say – it's going to show us are the Colts, like, real, real? Like, they're good, or are they, like – Legit. Legit team. Like, are they the 5-5 five and five record they are, or should their record be less? I think they're a five and five team. I think they're a five hundred team right now, even though that's what their record says. But I think this weekend really shows us: are they able to compete with one of the better or best teams within the NFL? Yeah. Another game that I wanted to get into that I think is is going to be really interesting as well, and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, is the matchup of the Washington Football Team against the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that has a, another chance of being a tremendous game a, as well. You know, according to Vegas, uh, Carolina is three and a half point favorites at this point in time. But I think the way that we saw Taylor Heineke play with such composure against Tom Brady, which is the toughest guy that you'll ever play against, and, and to outplay Tom Brady and the way the defense held strong against Tom Brady and this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. You know, going up against Carolina, who's another great offensive skilled team between DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey and, of course, Cam Newton yep. and Robbie Anderson as well. Don't forget about Robbie Anderson. This I think this I think we are in store for another great game, uh, potentially close matchup between these two teams. Yeah, I think this is going to be an exciting game to watch. I wouldn't be surprised. You won't see a blowout in this game. You'll see going back and forth and Chase Young. He's not at, He's not in, right? He's, no, he he's, tore his ACL on yeah. uh, on Sunday. So he's out. So, I mean, Washington defense, when he did tour his ACL on Sunday, they st- still look pretty good without him. So if they can keep that up, I wouldn't be surprised if you see wa- an upset this weekend with Washington. No, I wouldn't be either. I think it could really go either way, and that's why I'm excited to see this game and t- excited to see what unfolds in this Sunday matchup. Uh, another game that I wanted to talk about, this is a divisional matchup. This is always an exciting game between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Green Bay Packers are just playing tremendous this year, or 8-2 and two on the season compared to the 4-5 and five Minnesota Vikings. But, again, divisional matchup. They're at Minnesota. Can always be interesting and could really be Minnesota's last chance to kind of solidify themselves. Obviously, they're not going to win the division, but – have a chance to even be in a position to win the wild card or be in a wild card spot because they're four and five right now. You know, they go down four and six on the season. It's going to be really difficult for them to position themselves in a wild card spot. But I, I like Green Bay in this matchup, but it's always fun watching a divisional matchup. Yeah, this game entices me a lot more than Washington and uh, Carolina. Carolina, just because it's a, it's a divisional matchup, it's exciting. Green Bay coming off of a shutout at home against Seattle. Aaron Rodgers coming back. But now they go to Minnesota. We know how Viking fans are. They're you know they're loud and whatnot. Kirk Cousins looks good. I think it's going to be closer than what everybody thinks. I could also see this game as being another upset game. Yeah. We got to remember, they're, uh, Green Bay is without Aaron Jones in this game. Yeah. So that that's huge at the running back position for them. 
So possibly another upset with the Packers versus Green Bay. Yep. And then another game, James, that I, I think has the chance and will wind up being the best game of the week, the Dallas Cowboys versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe this isn't the primetime game, actually. Uh, kind of surprising that, you know, they have the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Chargers versus the yeah. Dallas Cowboys versus the Chiefs. I think that's more so the primetime game. Well, I, I can tell you why the Cowboys got the 425 game. Why was that? It's on Fox. Because okay. you got Joe, Joe Buck and the, the, the Hall of Famer, Troy Aikman, you know. Yeah, it's true. That, you it's know, true. It is that, true. That's all I'm saying. But this by far, James, this game entices me more than any game uh, this week. Uh, again, when we talk about so many ups and downs this season and determining who is the favorites to represent the NFC and who are the favorites mm-hmm. to represent the AFC, the Cowboys, and at least at this point in time, I think the Chiefs, These both, both these teams have positioned themselves, at least as far as I'm concerned, and you could differ in opinion and obviously share that opinion. I think these are two teams that have made the case for the Dallas Cowboys in their respective conference to represent the NFC and for the Chiefs to represent the AFC when all is said and done. So this is going to be the exciting matchup of the week for me. I'm not disagreeing with you on the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> of course not. Of the course Cowboys, not. well, I see your argument. I do see your argument. You, you know me. If I had a pick, it would probably be Green Bay. Yeah. Um, I I personally think that's it's going to be a rematch from when the catch to Dez catch it to Dez not catch it. Um, Cowboys versus Green Bay in Green Bay. That's all I'm saying. You heard it here first. Uh, 11, 16, 21. We'll revisit this in the next in month or so. Um, but no, I see where you're coming from, Russo, with the Cowboys. The Cowboys are, are a dangerous team. They look good. They're feeling good. Um, I could see both of these teams meeting later down the road. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I agree with you. I think this is going to be the best matchup of the week. And I think that, again, while you disagree, I think that, you know, the Cowboys – and I get it. The NFC has their teams. Yep. But – and the Dallas Cowboys did take a big loss against the Denver Broncos, which surprised a lot of people. Yeah. But every other NFC team has had their surprising losses as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the Rams losing two in a row to the Titans and the 49ers, the – the Cardinals losing a couple games because of injuries. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing back-to-back games to the Saints with Trevor Simeon and Taylor Heineke against the Washington football team. Yep. Well, you know, really the only team in the NFC that really hasn't taken any uh, huge losses has been the Green Bay Packers. They lost the first game of the season against the Saints. Mm-hmm. They never looked back. Nope. And then they lost against the Chiefs only by six points, but they didn't have Aaron Rodgers in there. They had the backup Jordan Love in there. So yeah. I, I would say that I would say maybe that's the best team right now in the NFC right now. But I think Dallas does make a strong case to be number one, definitely number two, in my opinion, at this point in time. Oh yeah. No, no. I I agree with you hundred and ten percent. I'm just not picking them. <laughs> okay. I do I do want to say quickly, I don't know if you saw the other 425 game, the Cardinals versus the Seahawks. Yeah, I did see that. It, it's I wanted That's... to mention that as as a great game. The only reason why I did not mention that as a great game is because I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to play or not. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Are are you going to see Kyler Murray play or is it going to be um Russell Wilson versus whoever their backup is in blank on their backup? It was it was uh, it was the Giants backup last year, James Colt McCoy. 
Oh, Colt McCoy. Okay. So, yeah, are we going to see that? That I, Now I understand where you're coming from. I wasn't sure if Kyler got cleared yet. So Yeah, it's uh, you know we're still early in the week. Uh, there's still the chance that he does play. Um, there's also some question whether or not DeAndre Hopkins is going to play, you know, because he's been yeah. active these last two weeks as well. So I didn't pick that as such a, a great matchup. Obviously, if those two guys play, and obviously get Russell Wilson back, yeah. then that's that has the chance to to be one of the best games of the week as well. But definitely a good game to watch out for, no doubt about it. But James, as we conclude this segment of the NFL, let's switch from the field to the diamond, and I want to talk some baseball with you in the final in the final twelve minutes that we got here on the show, thirteen minutes that we got here on the show. Um, a couple things have happened over the course of the last couple of days in terms mm-hmm. of free agency. Uh, a lot of teams are making some moves due to the new CBA and, and players and teams trying to get rid of contracts and add players and take on these, these star caliber players. And if you haven't seen the videos already, Hank and Dictor has done a tremendous job in terms yep. of putting out great content upon MLB free agency. Uh, now that hitting the uh, hitting for the cycle is over put out a great video on Eduardo Rodriguez a couple of days ago, signing with the Detroit Tigers, five years, $77 million deal. Earlier today, Hank put out another video upon the Blue Jays, um, adding, uh, re-signing um, Jose Barrios to a seven-year, $131 million deal, which will make him the, or will give him the largest contract ever in uh, Toronto Blue Jays history. Uh, so they're making him the star-studded pitcher of that franchise for the next seven years, um, which is a tremendous ad. But, James, something I wanted to get into with you before covering those other guys and, and kind of talk about what we can see transpire these next couple of days leading up to Friday. Mm-hmm. The New York Mets. The New York Mets. They lose – well, well. First off, before we address that, they they okay. add they add a general didn't we manager. Get a, yeah, didn't we get a GM last night or something? We did get a GM last night, uh, right. Billy Epler. All right, who, who we'll see how well this one goes. As the, as the GM, good. And he was working uh, in his previous history. I'm pretty sure he worked under Brian Cashman uh, with the New York Yankees, and, and then worked right. now with the Los Angeles Angels as of recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully, some good things to come out of that. Hopefully some good so. things to come out of that. The the Mets obviously have a tremendous offseason in terms of who they will be re-signing back mm-hmm. to this team. They're going to have to make a lot of decisions. I know well, we talk about guys like adding back a Javi Baez or mm-hmm. adding guys back like a Michael Conforto. or Robbie Cano. Robbie Cano. What, what is he going to be on this team? A lot of positions Definitely. and a lot of holes to fill. Yeah. But segueing into to this question, James, they lose Noah Syndergaard. They lose Thor after yep. a, I want to say, six-year, seven-year tender with mm-hmm. the New York Mets. Um, the Mets offered him the qualifying offer, which is around $18.5 million. Mm-hmm. He didn't want it. He took a year deal, a one-year deal to go sign with the LA Angels. Uh, $21.5 $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21. $21
for years now and never pulling the trigger on a deal and essentially losing him for I don't want to say nothing. They're getting a draft pick out of it. It's a they are. it's a second round draft pick. I believe it falls near the fifty spot. So not too bad, but not too bad. Nowhere nowhere near the value that you probably could have gotten for him a year and a half ago when Mets were in talks of trading him. No, they pulled in my in a sense they kind of pulled what the Giants have done. Let's yeah. not let's not move him. We'll wait till his contract expires. Hopefully he signs back with us. We'll move him in the midseason. Oh wait, he doesn't sign back with us. He goes to a different team and we get pretty much nothing in return. Yeah. Or second round draft pick is it round two is, is fine, but you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it, it, it stinks that he didn't want to take the qualifying offer because of how many Met fans love him, uh, what he's done for the city. But also I see it comes down to business and where the money goes and there must have been some other incentives. I haven't had the chance today. To re- I've been in meetings all day for the most part. I haven't been able to see really dive into it too much. But I also think this is the way the team's going to go. I think that they, they have their number one guy in the Grom. The Grom's going to be there for a while. Michael Conforto denied the qualifying offer too. So he's a free agent as well. Again, somebody we could have moved. We didn't move. So we're going to let walk again or walk. This team is in a completely rebuilding phase that we had us Met fans probably haven't seen, at least in my lifetime before, where we've seen them spend a lot of money, have players that thought, that we thought were going to stay, leave, um, and probably sign back a few players that we weren't going to see signed back. Ultimately, I think it was not the right move to do, but I understand the move because ultimately he went to the Angels, right? He went to the Angels. The Angels, it's pretty much more on the Angels side because if he came back with the Mets after Tommy John, uh, I think so. I'm trying to I, remember. Know had, I know he had an injury to his arm. Yeah, I'm blanking on the injury. I should know, but I don't at the moment. Is what what real risk were we taking? But the Angels are taking it off our hands in a sense. Like if anything bad happens to him, we could say, "Oh, look, he's not on our payroll. He's not on our team." You know. But at the same time, you lose a a high qualified pitcher that would help this staff a little bit, help the pitching staff. I think it's also with the new GM coming in. I think that you're going to see a lot of changes, man. You're not going to see the same old guys that were back in the 2015 era. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, the one thing for me with this, with, with Noah Syndergaard and the Mets and, and why I really question where the Mets were, were at in this decision is just that they offered him the qualifying. You know, what's another couple million, number one? And number two is that did he even want to come back to the Mets, you know, to, to choose a whole different team who, to be quite honest with you, not that the Mets are in a, in a position to win by any stretch of the imagination. No. I don't think that the Angels are in any better position either. They aren't. So so, so to, choo- to choose them over a, a couple million dollars, I, I guess, uh, from, uh, and again, obviously just assuming here, just wanting a fresh start. Yeah, he just wanted – something that was like all right west coast and just wanted to see what's out there you know i mean i I don't blame him for changing it up but at the same time if you were going to take a little less 
you know the organization, you know the direction we're going to head in, even if it was for the qualifying offer. What does he use the qualifying offer good for a year or something? Yeah, something like that. So a year, maybe two, you know, ultimately it's only you, you, you would only be bettering yourself because if you have a phenomenal year this year, you could probably get more than 21 million next year. Well, yeah, I was actually kind of surprised he got that much, to be quite honest with you. A guy who didn't pitch basically all year, coming off a tremendous injury and then getting this this kind of contract to get that much money. I mean, I get it's only a one-year deal, so there's not that much risk behind it, but still, that's a lot of money. Yeah, For a guy, that... necessarily, that you don't know what you're going to get, and I think he's going to have a pitching limit as well, uh, an, an inning limit with this contract. So ultimately... I look at it this way. The Angels kind of messed themselves up a little bit. You're spending $21 million on a guy that can, say, only pitch 160 innings. Well, yeah, I see that aspect of it as well, and that, that's what a lot of Met fans have argued today. But I think that if you look at both teams, you say to yourself, we understand that, but those are two teams in dire need of, of help in the rotation because – yeah. Now even more so with the Mets, you have no idea what this rotation is going to look like. I know. You, you don't know what DeGrom is going to be like because he missed a tremendous amount of time with injury. Yep. Uh, and then after that, it's it's nobody now. Noah Syndergaard is gone. Stroman is up for a new contract. He's a free agent. You have Carrasco, who did not look good. You have Peterson, who did not look good. You had Taiwan Walker who had a great start to the season but kind of fizzled out. Yeah. This this rotation has gone from one of the best in baseball to one of the most questionable. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Ultimately, let's see what the new GM does. Let's see what uh, what uh, Cohen has to do. Let's see if the pocketbook opens up. Let's see who, who he brings and who he resigns. I know it's early, uh, but the Mets made two big moves so far. Yeah, and the Mets, as of recent, are uh, talking about potentially pursuing a Starling Marte, who's been a Great outfielder for a very long time. Put him right yep. in there at center field. That would be a great acquisition if they could make that happen. Um, kind of been moving around a couple uh, last couple of years uh, between moving to the Marlins and then getting traded to the Oakland Athletics, I think, this year. But he's been a very, very good uh, player everywhere that he's been uh, so far in his career, uh, defensively and offensively. Mm-hmm. So that'd be an interesting uh, – that would be interesting if they are able to add him. And then the Yankees, real quick, James, before we wrap it up here. Yeah. The Yankees are in on, it seems like, a lot of the big-name players. Are in on a lot of the big-name players. I've heard rumors from Justin Verlander and Robbie Ray and Clayton Kershaw to the likes of potentially trading for a Matt Olson uh, to solidify that first base position because, obviously, Anthony Rizzo is a free agent. And Luke Voigt, while I think he's one of my favorite personal players, uh, defensively as a first baseman, he's just not that great. Offensively, he's tremendous, but defensively, uh, that's why he had lost his job to an Anthony Rizzo uh, last year, and that's why they made that trade for Anthony Rizzo last year. A um, lot of other names as well that they're interested on. They're also interested in the Starling Marte. Mm-hmm. From what I've heard, they are interested in potentially adding a um, – uh, Corey Seager, which is starting to gain a little bit of traction. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Corey Seager, who was the MVP, I believe, in the Dodgers World Series victory just a year ago or two years ago now. Uh, yeah, a year ago against yeah. the Tampa Bay Rays. 
it's it looks like it's going to be a fight between the L.A. Dodgers to re-sign him or the Yankees to acquire him at the shortstop position, which okay. would be huge for this Yankee team if they are able to do so. I'd be very excited if they are able to make some of these moves happen um, because they need them. They need them. Yeah. They they need they desperately need consistency in terms of their rotation. They desperately need consistency in terms of their hitting. As a Yankee fan. Uh, through and through as a fan of the MLB for, for viewers out there. I don't think that anybody would have pinned if you watch the Yankees closely, or if you're a fan, just of the team in general, if you would have told me that the best two players and really only healthy players on the team would have been Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron judge, I would have said you were crazy, but they both, they both had MVP caliber seasons and stayed healthy through and through. So with the exception of really everybody else underperforming this year, Liked a lot what I saw to those two guys and hope to see that consistency year in and year out for the future. I know Aaron Judge is coming up on a contract here, and he, he's alluded to the fact that he wants to be a Yankee for life. And I and I really do hope that is the case and, and they'll be able to make that happen um, after next season. But we'll see what happens with this Yankee team. I'm really excited to see what happens this free agency. I think that both teams are in store to make a lot of free agency moves and mm-hmm. make a lot of change-ups in, in, in the lineups that we've seen in the past, and especially – as of recent this year, I think the Yankees are going to have a lot of roster change. Uh, I think the Mets definitely, definitely. Uh, are going to have a, a tremendous amount of roster changes between the rotation, the bullpen, and definitely uh, the, the starting nine. Definitely. And even the, the, and they're playing without a manager still. They still don't have a manager. They, have a, they just hired a GM last night, but they're still looking for their manager. Luis Rojas takes over as the Yankees, I believe, third base coach. As of yesterday, so. Well, I put my application as the Mets manager, so we'll, we'll James, see if I'd I get a call. For you. I'd vote All for right. you. I'd advocate yeah. for you. I'd so I'll see. You. I'll see when I get the call. You know. I'd advocate for you, but uh, on that note, James, any final words here before I wrap it up? I do have some final words. I know we touch hockey. I'll do that real quick. Um, Islanders are losing five one, and the Rangers are winning. Uh, Islanders are losing to the Panthers five one. Rangers are winning two one over the Canadians both in the second period, about a three-minute difference. Islanders open up at home this Saturday at UBS Arena, their new arena. If you haven't driven by it or you haven't seen pictures, it looks phenomenal. Um, we got to get to a game this year, bud. Um, other than that, I'm looking forward to the Islanders actually being home again and not on the road. Um, but, yeah, I had fun tonight. Even though I came late, it seemed like you did a great job. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I think I – think, uh held down the fort for 11 minutes. I'm happier it was 11 minutes versus an hour and 11 minutes holding down the fort. I'll tell you that. That would have been a tough discussion with myself for the time being. But <laughs> on that note, James, thank you for joining me tonight. Always a great time uh, co-hosting with you. And for the viewers that watched and for the people who commented, thank you all again. We really do appreciate it, uh, the, the support, the love, and, and obviously uh, paying attention throughout the duration of the show and, and and watching us, it means the world to us. So on that note, thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Tom will be back next week, ladies and gentlemen, taking over the hosting chair. But on that note, have a great rest of your night, and thank you all again.